0: Greetings, beautiful people, and welcome to Queen's Stand Up Support Network Radio. Our purpose and intention is to create a non-judgment zone of support for the leaders and those working to be the change they want to see, where we increase our awareness regarding the experiences that manifest as we navigate through this adventure we call life. Increasing awareness allows us the opportunity to choose to align with the actions necessary to manifest the desired change. You give all of you every day, working to live on purpose. And now, we intend to give back to you by empowering you to tune into your souls. Let us pray. Almighty Divine Creator, as we grow from strength to strength, We give thanks for this day and the opportunity to expand our vibration as infinite choice makers. Thank you for showing us the way of healing. We are open to receive as we continue to align ourselves with peace. May our homes and hearts be forever filled and surrounded with happiness, healthiness, love, and forgiveness. As we live in the present moment, our most powerful point of being, in the name of the father, the mother, and the child, Amen Mut Kanshu, Ashe, so let it be. Greetings, beautiful people, and welcome to Queen's Stand Up. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, last week, we were talking about how to heal uh, using stones. Actually, the show was intended to talk about actual stones, um, healing stones, like different gems and crystals and things of that nature. But we actually ended up talking about how to use the challenges that you face in life um, to help you to grow. So if you'd like to listen to that show, um, you can definitely visit aqueenstandup.com. And today is also actually an extension of that as well, because we're talking about minimizing emotional baggage. And when we've gone through a lot of pain and haven't necessarily processed it, In a healthy way, sometimes there can be a lot of lingering baggage. Um, So what if I told you that you could actually stop the negative tape from playing in your head? Because it's all about programming, you know, programming the mind. What if with even seven simple steps, you could leave the pain of the past behind and live every day as your authentic self? It is possible, and you can do it. In her book, Seven Simple Steps to Beat Emotional Baggage, How to Become Whole, Healed, Healthy, and Happy, author Anita Washington shares how to resolve emotional baggage and feel free to live true to your own personality, spirit, and character by teaching you how to recognize the Four Life Stages of Emotional Baggage, uh, teaching you also how to transform negative thinking and become equipped to boldly face emotional pain. But before you hop over to Anita's website and download your free copy of her awesome book, listen into to the discussion today. If you'd like to join in the discussion, dial 929-477-2476 and press 1 to join the discussion. Welcome to the show, Amita.
1: How are you? I'm great. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Glad to have you. I love today's topic um, for so many reasons, and I'm really excited to get to dive deep into uh, your methodology for minimizing emotional baggage. So before we do that, though, so if you could just share with us a little bit about yourself and um, how you stepped on the path of this work that you do.
1: Well, stepping on the path, uh, I've always been the friend in the circle that people would come to I ask for advice. And, okay. and you know, as life begins to unfold you begin you know you make choices what major in college what are you going to do when you grow up and mine fell into counseling they mm. they like to tell us that we as human beings work to become the solution we want to see in the world and because okay. of my own experiences growing up in a in a very toxic and dysfunctional family I think that also is the underlying reason on what some of the things that pushed me into counseling. Okay. I'm an author of two books, as you mentioned, Seven Simple Subs to Beat Emotional Baggage, and my latest book, Family is Not Everything. I'm the host Mm. of a television show here in the Northern Virginia area and a podcast. The podcast is the Emotional Happiness Podcast, and it can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. I coach women into launching their own digital platforms, as well as helping them break through their emotional baggage.
0: Okay! Wow, I love (laughs) it! I love it! I love it! You, you you know, you're touching on some really important points um, today that actually we in our community have been talking a lot about. Uh, And before I go any further, I want to shout out um, all the fathers out there. Happy Father's Day! to everyone. Um, And then happy belated birthday to my mom as well. Well, from Queen Stand Up, it's belated (laughs) because we didn't have a show before then. But yes, happy birthday, mom. I see you're on the call today. Hope you're really um, out there living your best life, um, enjoying your birthday month. So yeah, to her, she says it's not belated because she's celebrating all month long. But (laughs) 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 You turn it up, y'all. <laughs> yes. So, um, you mentioned some really good points. You said, you know, that the reason that you became a counselor was because of your life experience and, and um being and having such a toxic family. Um, how were you able to overcome? the experiences that you encountered and your own emotions to position you to um, be able to be on the other end of that spectrum, you know, where you're at, at the healing end instead of getting
1: caught up in the toxicity of it all,
0: using that. I would
1: say two basic reasons. One is I want more out of life. Okay. And two... Exposure and latching on to the good things that I saw when I was being exposed, my exposure circles were growing. You know, initially when we're first born in those first few years of life, our exposure is just our parents or immediate family. Then you grow up, you go to kindergarten, first grade, you know, go to school. Then from there, you meet more and more people where you may, your work environment or going to college or... And as I began to meet more people and be exposed to different circles, I latched on to the good things in those circles. Like one of the things that I mentioned in my book, Family Is Not Everything, is about uh, something I call FOCs, and that's families of choice. Because you choose to be around families that are strong where your family is weak. So even though you may be in a toxic environment or you may be around people that display dysfunctional behavior, you can try and balance yourself or level that by being around families that are strong, strong in areas like forgiveness, love, respect, treating you with high regard versus being dismissive. And once I latched onto those things and my circle grew, I began to notice things that I, I did on a regular basis. Like in grad school, I noticed that whenever it was time for me to visit my biological family, family of origin, I would begin to say these affirmations to myself. And then I also noticed mm. that once I got back or wasn't around them, I was actually uh happy. So it was preparing, embracing myself, being around my biological family, and then repairing myself once I was I wasn't around them anymore. For instance, visiting for a spring break or visiting for a holiday.
0: Wow. So you were it 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 you're very conscious. Um, and you had a plan as well, which I think is amazing. Your self-awareness is really, um, at an, you know, a high level in order for you to be able to do this, to prepare, like you said, you recognize that there was some behavior that, um, you weren't, that wasn't appealing to you that was in your family structure but in order to cope with it, you prepared yourself and then you repaired. So preparing you said you would say affirmations, right? Which is awesome. Yeah. How did you how did you
1: repair? And repairing, one, it was affirmations also, but two, it was um drowning myself in healthy circles. And where okay. once I would get back I noticed that I would be around my FOCs more so.
0: Okay. Awesome. And that's awesome. And I, mm-hmm, in, a, in
1: addition, in addition to that, journaling.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think that's great. The way that you process this, the journaling is is really important because I feel like. Um, well, let me ask you: Do you do you think that the journaling helped you prevented you from internalizing? Yes, because the, in, in writing,
1: okay. that that hand to brain connection, and getting it out of out of my head, and that also helps with once I got it out of my head, it could no longer affect or control my emotions. Mm. And once I put it in that book and wrote it down, disconnected from it was in a separate environment and could pick up and move on around healthy people? That was amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. It took a lot of courage and strength for you to do that because, you know, you're it's you spent so much time in toxicity, that was your norm. You know, like you said exposure. Was there anything particular in your life like that you can identify as a turning point for you? That made you realize that you could choose something different, Um, even though, you know, what was seemed to be normal in your upbringing or common in your upbringing was your early representation. What caused you to actually say, you know what, I want more out of life. I have to do something different. Was there something in particular that you can think of?
1: been asked that question a number of times, and there's nothing that I can particularly think of that flipped the switch within me, because, I mean, my, my earliest memory of making a decision is five years old. The first time I ran away, I was five years old. Wow. When did it's you a, run away it's to? A very, it's a very distinct and clear memory, and where um, I had spent the night with a relative, because my father was an alcoholic, my mom worked nights. She would I would stay with a relative or a neighbor, and she picked me up that morning. We got home, and we walked into the house. It was a mess. My father had thrown uh raw grits and eggs just all over the kitchen, and I remember she went into the kitchen and began to clean up and I kind of walked around and where I went. Through the den, through the dining room, through the living room, and out. We went in the back door, and I went through Mm -hmm. the den, through the dining room, the living room, and then out the front door, and I kept walking. And I was around five Mm -hmm. years old at that time. I went to, I actually walked about six, seven blocks to a neighborhood park. And what's amazing is I grew up in the south, so there was always somebody either outside in their garden or going to work, coming from work. It would have been odd for them to see me at that age walking by myself. So, for one, for me to get that far, and then I was at the park, for me as a five-year-old, um, i spent a, a time before one of the neighbors found me and, and made me go back home. I was actually swinging on the swing when he found me.
0: Hmm. So um that was that must have been pretty traumatic. Was that like um, was that an isolated incident, or was that common to happen? You would come home and the house would be a mess.
1: Oh, that was common.
0: Okay, okay. So that was just kind of like you learned. That was like you were coping with it. You were just trying to escape from it and and go to maybe a place that was more peaceful. Yes, and
1: also my. I have a, a growing up at a number of environments that were different. For instance, my home life of my immediate family was very different from the two environments with my grandparents. Mm. So okay. when, where my grand one grandparent lived um, in town and her home was very peaceful and loving Then I had another grandparent that lived out in the country. And with that grandparent, there were relatives all around. So I kind of had free range to roam from house to house. Okay. Um, And those households were also very loving and encouraging, and it was such a contrast. So in gravitating towards the good, within me, I probably felt at a very early age that the home life with the immediate family just did not feel good.
0: Mm. I got you. I got you. You had exposure to
1: other... Go ahead. Right. I had exposure to the other environments and I craved the good environments versus the negative ones. Okay.
0: Awesome. Awesome.
1: So, great. So you said...
0: One of the, the the ways that you were able to um, cope is to prepare. So you had a, you had a plan. You had a really great action plan. Um, say affirmations, prepare, and then repair. Do your affirmations. Um, drown yourself in the healthy circles. And when you talk about your healthy circles, where did you? Okay, you had some in terms of your um, your your grandparents and your other family structures that were connected to you, um, What, where else did you pull from to create your family of choice?
1: Well, they were various families that I had been exposed to. So those were, let's say, 0 to 17. And then once I went to college and my circle grew, there were people that I went to college with that had healthy families. There were okay. people in there were people in the communities where I went to college that were healthy. Okay. Families. So so as okay. I got exposed to these other families and, and in their environment felt very validated and loved, those became families that I would choose to spend more time around.
0: Okay. So it was a conscious choice that you made. Did you yeah. get any flack from your um, biological family about the fact that you were spending more time with your family of choice?
1: Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. But to choose healthy, you, you can't make me feel guilty about choosing to feel good.
0: Mm, okay. Okay. Awesome. So you just got enough strength within yourself and enough confidence to decide that your happiness was a priority. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because some people, that's not their reality. They do feel um, they've been groomed to feel guilty um, about, you know, not um, being in alignment with, let's say, you know, the, the the family language or, you know, how the family um the family culture, how would you – what would be your suggestion to them about how to um, release that guilt and and, um, condition themselves to adopt that policy of what you just said? You can't make me feel guilty about wanting to be happy. Because that just seems to have come natural for you. What, What about for those who that doesn't come natural for? What would you suggest? It's a
1: process. It's a process. Okay. The same way you were not groomed overnight is the same way that switch isn't gonna flip overnight for you unless something very traumatic happens, like an attempt on your life. Otherwise okay. it's a process in where like you mentioned with my seven step process. The mm-hmm. first step is the first step is life mapping. Where okay. I have someone actually sit down and write out the memories that they have. The second thing is comparing that life map to their journaling so that we can connect some of those limiting beliefs to Mm -hmm. the events that have happened in their life. Then that third step is disposing of distractions. This is the one where people get stuck or tend to have the biggest amount of confliction internally because when you look at the people that you were around during the negative Mm -hmm. events in your life map, and you look at the names that you mentioned in your journal, and then the activity that I have them do in disposing of distractions is to write down every name in your phone, write down the names of the people that you're about, and then throughout the day, anytime you throw around those people, write down an emotion. How does that person mm-hmm. make you feel? Do they make you feel empowered? Do they make you feel sad? Do they make you feel guilty? Do they make you feel fear? All the various emotions. When we lay out that emotion map and disposing of distractions, it becomes very clear and you have some choices to make. Because you can try and talk to that person saying, look, this is what's going on. This is how you make me feel. These are the the examples that I have, and I'm asking you to stop. If not, I may have to limit the access that you have to me because this is not the life I want to lead. And if that person stops, and then they become aware and it's, I'm sorry. That's a person that's going to change and grow with you. They want to see the best for you. But if you have somebody on that list that no matter what you say, how they make you feel, what situations they put you in, you now have a decision to make, and it's basically are you going to choose to be healthy or are you going to sacrifice yourself so that they are happy? I think that's really
0: powerful, and I think that that's one of the most challenging parts. Um, at least in my experience, that's, that's one of the most challenging parts is um, the 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 feeling and the emotion that comes when you make a decision to choose your health and well-being over, um, you know, what's common, um, over obligate obligatory relationships. Um, I've made some decisions in my life as well in terms of uh, people and just limiting my exposure to people. And, you know, I've, ha- I, I've had some conflicts about it because, you know, you want to forgive and forget and move on, but forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean that the relationship has to continue in the same way. Right. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but it it's it, so, but I think you just have to, like you said, you have to keep processing it and understand that you can love people from a distance and eventually it'll, it, it's either you accept it and other people will accept it too. I, I hope that's what happens. <laughs> um, so I said all of that to say, like, um, you mentioned that um, family is not everything. Um, so, And how do you deal with, you know, the the conflict of, of it? Or, well, you say, you, your saying says, you can't make me feel guilty about um, wanting to be healthy. But I'm not, I mean, what part of it is forgiveness? Like, how does forgiveness play into all of this for you? Like, when, when you think about the idea of family not being everything and you separating yourself from certain people who are toxic and, and don't want to move and grow with you as you do your life map and you sort out your emotions and you um, identify feelings. Um, and the way that people make you feel and it not being in alignment with your health and wellness. Um, How do you deal with that on a personal and spiritual level in terms of what forgiveness looks like? And um, I guess obligation, if that makes sense.
1: Two very big separate issues. Let's, Dichotomize. Okay. So those. the first deal with forgiveness. Okay. We tend to think of forgiveness as reconciliation.
0: Mm, okay. Letting
1: go, um, swallowing the incident, and moving on as if nothing happened. And that is not forgiveness. Forgiveness is a process that happens within you. And it's you processing Think of a food processor. Think of Mm -hmm. uh, a stock of broccoli or celery that you would put into a food processor. And when you put it in, it's whole. That stock is anger. It's hurt that that is within you. Once you press that button and you begin to process it, it it grates and it it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And that's how you break down and process the anger and the hurt within you until it is unrecognizable. But it has nothing to do with with what's outside of that blender. It has nothing to do with the other person. Okay. So it's processing and letting go of the anger and the hurt within you. That's that's the forgiveness piece. Okay. Now, how show, you mm-hmm. can't. What? Go, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> then how you handle the reconciliation piece, like I said, is very separate because that depends on is this a behavior the person is going to continue? Right, right. Because that, that is a sabotaging merry-go-round that you're on. If you're going to continue to be around a person that is going to continue to hurt you regardless of what you say or how you feel. Okay. The other thing is obligation. In society, whether it's from a religious perspective or from a holiday perspective, we feel very strongly about being obligated to be around a certain group of people during a certain time period, Christmas, Mm -hmm. birthday, New Year, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Ask yourself, how much exposure can you handle? If you know that your family is toxic, is this a holiday you need to skip? Is this a holiday where, okay, this environment has three hours and I'm out? Is this a holiday where you time it? Okay, I'm going to see dad at from 9 to 12 because I know my siblings are going to show up around between 1 and 3. And I don't want to be exposed to that behavior, but I'm still going to show my parent love. Okay. So, what parameters, what boundaries do you need to put in place to keep yourself healthy? Because when you're not healthy, it, pulls, it pours over into all of your other environment, your work environment. Mm-hmm. If you're a mother, mm-hmm. you're passing that negative energy, even if you do not say anything to them about it, if you, even if they do not know what happened to you, it's still being transferred to them in your energy. Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you, I'm sure as a mother, Mothers can see the behavior in their children and wonder, where did that come from? But because you, you, no matter how self-aware you are, when you're around somebody else 24-7, you're not constantly aware of all of your reactions, facial expressions, bodily reaction Mm -hmm. and the other person Mm -hmm. viewing you is seeing all of that Mm -hmm. that's your child your child is picking up on all and then they're creating their own energy field Mm -hmm. and they don't know why so generation after generation we pass this on
0: wow you said something really powerful a lot everything that you're saying is so spot on and so thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today Um, one of the things that I, before we talked, I wrote down the impact that emotions have on our relationships, our finances, over our quality of life. Um, when I think about why you would want to minimize, learn this art of minimizing your emotional baggage, these are the things that come to mind. Like it affects your quality of life. And you just touched on that a little bit. Can you expand on, you know, how emotional baggage affects, let's say, your finances, for example?
1: Spending. We, in our society, we spend to help ourselves feel better. That retail therapy, that want for more could be directly tied to an an incident or a void within a person where they only feel valued when that exchange is made at the cash register. By the time they get home, there's no value or want still attached to the item in the bag or in the box. But just that exchange of I can give you this paper currency and then I have this treasured item. But once that exchange Mm. is over, they want something else. How many Louis it's, Vuitton bags can you have in the closet?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How is the that, reason that is is you that about have control, both? Anita? Sorry, it could be it could be some element of control attached to it, but for the, for the most part, most of what I've seen and studied has been that internal void that they're filling. Somebody okay. that has low self esteem, but a very big personality and it's always at the cash register. Even if it's swiping that card, there's still energy. There's there's a want and a need that is filled when they swipe that card and feel powerful because, hey, look at what I can do.
0: Okay. Okay. How does the emotional baggage affect your quality of life?
1: Emotional baggage can affect the quality of life. It can control the quality of life. You look at overspending, and everyone around you, they tolerate you because you treat them in such a negative manner. We all know them. Everybody has a personality in their their work environment, perhaps, that is very loud, um, probably snaps at people, constantly in a in a gossip mode. All of that is attached to the negative experiences that that person has had in their life. They haven't, they're not very self-aware and they haven't learned how to manage and begin to dispose of that emotional baggage because it's not something that we have to have with us all the time. Okay. Okay. So like you
0: said, we all have we come in contact with those personality types all the time. What are some recommendations that you could offer to help us to cope with that? I mean, if they're in a situation where those people, it's not where you know we can't. Well, maybe there is a time frame already on it. Let's use the example of like in a work environment. You go to work from nine to five or whatever that your schedule is. You know that you have to encounter that person from that time frame. Um, would you, is, is the saying, the affirmation technique, is that effective in, in a, an environment like that? Or would you suggest that someone, you know, move to a different position? Because if they're everywhere, we have to learn, it sounds, seems like we have to learn another way of dealing with it rather than escaping from them. What can we do?
1: Yes, because they are, they, you, you may just run across a person like that in the grocery store. It does okay. exist everywhere because we have so much dysfunction in our society. And one thing is to make sure you do not assimilate into that behavior. The next thing is to try and treat that person as nice as you can. Mm-hmm. Don't let their emotional baggage trigger your dysfunctional behavior, and then everybody's wilding out. Okay.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. It takes a lot of self-awareness and being present. (laughs) Um. (laughs) It really does. I I mean, I do it all the time. So now, especially now that I'm aware, but yeah, it does. So, okay. I love your, I want to get back to your, your um, seven simple steps to beat emotional baggage. I think it's brilliant. Simply brilliant. And I, yeah, I think it's so effective. Um, do you have a sheet or something that you use that we can go onto your website to to find for this the seven simple steps?
1: The uh, e-book is a free download on my website, um, but for those that okay. have e-readers, it's also available on Amazon along okay. with along with the book comes a quick start pack that they can download. It's a number of worksheets that helps them work through each of the activities and techniques that's attached to each one of the steps. For instance, when we were talking, I mentioned the the step that goes with disposal distractions and where I have you list out all of these names. And mm-hmm. you think about it as a circle of influence, the inner circle. And then another one just outside of that one, another one just outside of that one, so five. From the inner circle out five different circles. Where are these people placed? Because if somebody constantly gives you the feeling of a negative emotion, but they're in that innermost circle, time to make a decision. All those worksheets, mm. yeah, are uh, you can download them along with the ebook.
0: Okay, that's awesome. Thank you for making that available. Um, okay, so we can download. What, what's the name of your website? How do we get? How do we find that, your website?
1: The website is thatanitalive.com.
0: dot com. live dot com. I love that. Awesome. Awesome. And we can go there as well to find your podcast. Yes. Okay. And what's the name of your podcast again, Anita? The Emotional Happiness Podcast. The Emotional Happiness Podcast. Wonderful. So tell us a little bit about um, Family Is Not Everything.
1: Family Is Not Everything is the book where I took my seven simple steps Mm -hmm. And I wrapped around them my own personal stories of trauma to help people understand, hey, this is the story. If you can relate to this story, perhaps this particular technique will help you. Because each chapter has a story, a technique, an affirmation, and an activity to help people work through their emotional baggage. So if there's a story in it that you can relate to, perhaps the technique that goes along with that story can help you break down your emotional baggage. Uh,
0: I see. I see. That's wonderful. So um, was there is there any part of this that it, it sounds like to me you have to be really intentional with this process? Like it can't be something that, you know, you do – you know, just in, in like a happenstance type of thing. Like you kind of really have to sit down and get clear and and make um, definitive choices about how you're going to proceed in order to create a healthy um, community support around you.
1: Would you agree? Agree to wholeheartedly. Less. You have to want it. Okay.
0: You have to want it. It
1: has to, it has to be something you sit down and put work into every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's talk about that effort part Because that's what really gets a lot of people A lot of
0: times we, we definitely know that we like we have this yearning for change But we put off starting it for so long Can We talk about the effort that it may take And how if someone is struggling with um, finding the value in this work And doing it for themselves What would you recommend? What would you say to them?
1: It's, it's brighter on the other side. Mm. The reason that we don't like to do it is because, one, we already feel bad about ourselves. So to, to look even deeper at what is making us feel bad, because what we look for is that instant gratification. Okay. We've been groomed over the last 10, 20 years. Everything is about instant gratification. If dinner takes longer than 15, 30 minutes, <laughs> we're frustrated and irritated. Where mm. we can probably remember where dinner took an hour, hour and a half to cook. Now it's in the microwave, it's out. We're in a fast food line. Um, entertainment is on demand. Some, it doesn't matter <laughs> when it comes on TV or when the movie comes out because once it's available, you can on-demand. Everything is about convenience, that instant gratification. And the work that somebody has to put in to actually, one, become more self-aware, but to clean up their, their hurt and their pain, all of the negativity that has happened to them is to walk back through that. And that's very difficult. Nobody wants to feel that way. But you have to know that. This time when you walk through it you're disabling and you're disempowering the control that it has on your life. You're going to be so mm. much happier on the other side of this experience than any other.
0: Okay. That's that's promising. That's full of hope. <laughs> um so is there, does there come a point where you reached its an unconscious competence where, you know, you're just operating in your, new, your true authentic way of being and that part of your, the, the, the toxic part of your life where there was no boundaries and um, you felt helpless and all that kind of stuff is totally beyond you, past you? You pass it,
1: rather, is there a place in life where you no longer need any boundaries?
0: No, no, no. Is there a Mm -hmm. place in your life where that I I know I (laughs) I, if this is a rhetorical question, a little because I'm speaking to you and and you have totally evolved, but I'm you know, I just know that there's like a part where we're consciously doing this work. Right. And you said like, we're going, you have to face it and you have to look, go past it. Right. But you're going through it again with a different intention, right? You're doing it now with a conscious effort for a purpose of processing and healing through it. Right. Um, But you're so aware. That there was a way that you used to operate, and a way that you that you're that's true to you to operate like an authentic way of being, a way that's more healthier for you, does there come a point in your life where um the past is no longer affecting how the decisions that you make yes in a, in a negative yes. way
1: okay. when when you when a person becomes more self aware and they put in the work to actually overcome disempower the emotional baggage in their life, they're also given the tools on how to manage it going forward okay because this there will always be there will mm-hmm. always be people in life that try you there will always be triggers that bring a memory back but because that memory no longer has that hurt or that pain traveling with you. You can respond to that trigger in a different way. Okay, so that's what it, that's. Thank you. The level
0: <laughs> that it affects you because you're gonna yeah. encounter similar things, but your response to it is going to be different. Okay, so Very it does different. change. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you don't have to completely. So, would you say that? Your, your boundaries change as your healing changes?
1: Yes. Okay. The, so as what I've experienced whatever experience mm-hmm. and seen is that in those initial stages where you're, where you're first making the choice, I am going to be healthy. I'm not going to live the rest of my life in this place. I see a lot of people in that place cut others off. To work through it then once they get to a place where they feel solid and self-aware in who they are how they feel and that the past can no longer hurt them they can talk about it without breaking down they can talk about it without going into a, a fit of rage or anger somebody else can mention it and and they can respond but not react then they can begin to retreat some of those boundaries and, and they don't have to be so square or so wide. And they can okay. be around. Right. They can handle the trigger a lot better. Okay. They can okay. They can handle that because everybody has them, that negative person that just tries to antagonize them. They say things to you because they want to see you react in such a negative Reactive.
0: way. Reacting. hmm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, so that's good. So you, um, so to help us understand that as you're going through your healing process, there is a part of it that you you, you set different levels of of boundaries according to how it fits with your life map, and it doesn't necessarily have to be forever. But you're kind of like creating a um a, a rebirthing process for yourself. Yeah, and repairing. You're repairing yourself. So that you can handle. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. So the people that, because we talked about um, in, in the seven simple steps to beat emotional baggage, you talked about life mapping, writing out the memories, and then comparing um, your, your life map with your journal, Uh, And so what is the the comparing your life map with your journal? What's that process? What's the intention of that work? The
1: intention is to discover what caused the limiting beliefs that you have, what caused the fear that you have. You feel as if, well, I'm not a good person. What in your life has happened to cause you to think that? If you feel that I'm not pretty. What are the things in your life that has led to you feeling this way?
0: Okay, awesome, awesome. And then the next step is to dispose of the distraction. So, is that where you remove the, the heavy triggers for a while? Yes.
1: Oh, yeah. So, that, that's, that, where that, put that. in, that's where you put That's <laughs> where you put in <laughs> the work to make the decision where are those boundaries going to be set?
0: Okay, okay. And now you talked a little bit about
1: the communicating
0: to people about how they make you feel. um, How um, I've done that, and sometimes it's effective, um, and sometimes it actually brings about more pain. Talk to us about that.
1: It's how the other person draws you in. Because there are some people that are so, they're masterful at being manipulative. And when you go to them with an open heart and an honest conversation about their actions, they can very masterfully turn it around and make you appear to be the one that's in the wrong. And and that's what I hear you asking me, you're saying, Sometimes yeah. it can make you feel bad. It could go even worse. Yeah. But. Yeah. Like, you, like, why
0: did I even say that? Like, why do I feel like that? Like, maybe I'm wrong. Like, maybe I'm overreacting. Like, you know, maybe uh-huh. I'm too sensitive. Uh-huh. Like, you know, all that
1: kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what you have to remember is you are the captain of your soul. You're the protector mm-hmm. of your temple. You are the one that has to know your value. And if you don't value you, nobody else is going to either. So in in stating that, when you call me dumb, that does not make me feel good. To me, that's a very obvious statement. But the manipulator could turn to you and say, oh, you know, I'm just joking. You're being too sensitive. You'll be all mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. You've stated it. They've made a choice. Now it's time for you to make a choice. Mm. When you tell me I, something as simple as, or innocent, it, could, it could appear to be very innocent. You're just like your father but you know that it's coming from a very negative place and it's meant to be an insult. You say to that person, listen, I know the relationship or what you think of my father is not very high. You didn't hold my father in high regard. However, I would like you to respect the fact that he still is my father. So let's agree to disagree and please do not make that statement to me anymore because it doesn't make me feel good. It devalues me as a person. That can go one of two ways. That person can say, oh, I was just joking. I'm sorry. I didn't know I was doing that. And discontinue the behavior or as we just discussed, that person can say, oh, you know, I'm just joking are you being so sensitive whether you consider it highly sensitive or not it's how it makes me feel and I'm asking you to respect that Mm.
0: I like how you framed that part right there (laughs) like yes because okay granted you know we we think differently everybody doesn't think the same everybody doesn't have the same tolerance level so it's not about them agreeing with you And 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 whether it's we're not we're not debating whether this is sensitive or not sensitive. We're talking about how it makes the person feel. And as a friend, yeah, you have to respect where they are on their journey. As a person who is in their life, that's the part that you're looking for. You're looking to bring in people who, wherever you are on your journey, are they're going to respect that that's where you are and not make fun of, or light of your healing process. Mm-hmm. I feel like, Anita, that's a key indicator as to whether or not this person is, is someone that you can still work with or right. someone that you really have to release. I think that's excellent. hmm it's important to differentiate, you know, the two because, like you said before, we could go around cutting out everybody, you know, <laughs> you know what? And, and we say sometimes we at that level to it. Like I can't take people. I'm over people. <laughs> like there, there comes and sometimes it's just a day or, or something. You know, sometimes there are days like mm-hmm. that. Sometimes there are, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. I'm, I'm um, but I'm laughing. But it's true. Like you, you, you do have to get clear with yourself about the fact that your journey is your journey and you're not debating about someone's belief and how, um, someone's opinion, we're not talking about opinions here. We're talking about your feelings. And like you said, you're the master or the keeper of your soul. And when we think about it from another perspective, because we ourselves, we have emotional baggage, but we also encounter other people who have emotional baggage too. So we have to learn how to respect people's, um, feelings, as well, like even if if we're the sometimes we're the ones that are feeling emotional, sometimes we're the on the other end of that. So um, I think it's really important for us to just be aware of the of of respect that needs to happen and, and releasing the judgment about someone's process. What do you say about that?
1: Releasing the judgment.
0: Releasing the judgment about someone's process. Yes, where they are on their journey. You know, um,
1: it it comes back to love.
0: It comes comes back back to to love love. and
1: respect for another human being, whether they're a family relative, a friend, a longtime friend. It doesn't matter what the relationship is because we're all human. And it comes down to love and respect. If you love and respect that person, you will respond to what they're telling you when you say, when they tell you, when you do this, that hurts me. So if you love somebody, you do not want them to hurt. If you love somebody, you don't want to harm them. So at the very basic level of love and respect, when somebody comes to you in a very honest tone Mm -hmm. and they express this, it should be taken with all seriousness. There is no judgment. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to agree with it. But mm-hmm. you do need to respect it if you love that person.
0: Brilliant. I I, I think that was, that's a great way to end our segment for today. So, um, if there was um, one or a couple of takeaways that you'd like to give us, leave us with today, what would that what would that be?
1: One to thy own self be true. Okay. I think if more people took accountability for their own feelings and set their boundaries, the world would be a better place to so thine own self be true. Awesome. I love that so much. Share with us again your website before we close. The website is that Anita Live as in that not this T H A T A N I T A L I V E dot com.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Anita, for the wisdom that you brought to our show today. I mean, you really helped to break down and help us to really understand how we can minimize emotional baggage. You made it so clear and so easy to do. And so thank you again for the value that you brought to our show. We appreciate you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Be well. Today's show is such a blessing. Join us next Sunday, June 23rd
1: at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we discuss creating boundaries to set you free. Our guest host will be Karen Pierce. To learn more about Karen, visit www.queensstandup.com. Until next time and always, beautiful people, be blessed and Queens stand up.